0: Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas, and I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, how are you guys today? good to see all of my favorite people all in one place. Today we're going to conclude our series Wisdom for Life. I'm uh, really excited about this message. This is the one I've been kind of gearing up for, uh, my favorite chapter in the book. If you're taking notes today, the title is Pressure Can Bust Pipes or Create Diamonds. Pressure Can Bust Pipes or Create Diamonds. Our opening scripture today is James chapter 1. Verse two, but just to preface it a little bit, James is the half brother of Jesus. He is the pastor of the church in the city of Jerusalem, and not just the church, like the entire city church. Uh, it's said that he was he would pray so much, and when he prayed, he liked to get on his knees. But whenever you looked at his knees under his garment, they were as hard as a camel because he was down on his knees so often and he writes this letter, and his main goal in this letter is spiritual maturity, and you'll notice that there's over 50 imperatives. What do I mean by that? He doesn't suggest. James loves to command. He doesn't just give an opinion. He likes to tell us exactly what to do, and he's dealing with some spiritual immaturity in the church, problems that they are dealing with in that day and age, but as you read the book, we still deal with a lot of the same issues. Humanity is still humanity. Nothing is new under the sun. Things that people dealt with long ago, we're still dealing with now. So this letter is highly uh, prevalent, and it's definitely necessary for today in our, in our world. See, God's goal for us is maturity. You know, it's a tragedy if you see a child and they never mature. We are all called to mature and we're not called to compare ourselves to other Christians. We're called to compare ourselves to the Word of God and to the Son of God. I got in trouble over and over and over again growing up because I would compare my performance next to the person next to me. I'm like, well, I'm not doing as bad as him. My dad's like, no, Brandon, I'm not comparing you to them. I'm comparing them to you. I'm comparing you to the Word of God. Like This is the goal, is maturity. So how does James open up his verse, his book? Verse 2, he says, consider it a sheer gift. Friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. The Apostle Peter continues in the same vein in his book, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, in the message. He says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job today. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. You know, pressure does not mean that God is not in it. It doesn't mean it. Sometimes the presence of pressure in our lives can actually mean that we are on track. You know, if you ever played a game growing up or even now, you know that when you go to the next level, things don't go easier. They get a little bit harder. Or you're on your Nintendo 30 years ago and you're playing Mario Kart. It doesn't get easier. It gets a little bit harder. Harder. At the same time, part of wisdom for life is sometimes we can make knuckleheaded decisions and we add some bad pressure to ourselves. But oftentimes when we experience pressure, it can be a good thing. It can be a refining thing. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for our time together. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here, that you are present today. I pray that as I speak to the outside that you're speaking to the inside of your people. God, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and a willing heart to understand. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody ever get stressed out of here? Every single hand. Brandon, when? Was it today or last week or a few weeks ago? We all experienced stress. You might even hate me right now for even bringing up that word in church. Like, Brandon, I don't like to think about it. I want to avoid it. I don't even want to think about that time. 12 years ago, next week, August 8th, 2010. Brandon, that's awfully specific. Yes, it is. All right, let me tell you about that day. I, that was the day that I was going to ask this girl that i had been hanging out with, my now wife, Angel Marie, I was going to ask her out that day. We went to church, took two separate cars. I'm going to hang out on their side of town. We went to uh, the amazing babies, right, the amazing restaurant, Cheddar's. And that's actually on the day. So this is the day that I'm talking about. And we have a great meal. We take a few pictures. Uh, and, and we have those dinner rolls. You ever been to Cheddar's? You had that dinner roll and that butter. And it's like it just melts in your mouth. Like it's so good. All right. See you guys later. I'm going to Cheddar's. No, and it was so good. And we went out to the parking lot. We're going to go in our separate cars and go to their place and then go out for the day. And I, As I'm going to my car, I'm starting to reach for my keys. Now, I put things in the same spot. I always put my phone right here, unless I'm walking. Then I put it in my back pocket, and I put my keys right here. I'm walking, and I start to do this. I feel nothing. And on the outside, I'm playing it cool, but on the inside, I am going a million miles an hour. Like, where are my keys? Like, I'm thinking, did I leave it inside? I went inside real quick, checks the booth, asked the hostess, they hadn't seen anything. See, let me tell you, I have learned that when I get stressed out, the first thing to go are my keys. They're always in a totally different part of the house, a different part at work. Maybe I'm out, In about a couple years ago, we were moving from house to house, and I had the bright idea that we could still move ourselves. I even went to work that day. I went to work. I packed. We, we already kind of had everything organized, but we're putting everything on the truck man what a boneheaded decision uh and this was just a couple years ago and we're starting to take stuff out and i remember around 8 39 p.m we got to the fridge and we kind of pulled the fridge out and there's a little wire right here or a little cord where it's connected to the water and i didn't even think to turn the water off and i pull it out and i just get totally sprayed i am drenched with water we're running to the garage turning the water off uh, you're looking at me like, Brandon, you're not very handy. No, I'm not. So, so we're putting, we're, we start to move the fridge to the front door. Fridge doesn't fit to the front door. You get our screwdriver. Start unhinging the screws at the door, and we start to take it off. But of course, there's one screw that doesn't want to come off. It's like it was bent to tick you off. Like, oh my, it's like it's just been waiting. I can't wait until they try to take every other screw off, and then they try to take me off. I am not going anywhere. The man, I yelled, said, forget it. Let's just get a new fridge. We, we don't even need this fridge. This fridge came with the house. It's not even that nice. Let's get something else. Buddy came over. He helped us get the door off, and we hadn't even eaten. We normally eat 6 to 7 p.m., uh, like clockwork every day. And, and uh, I'm like, you know what? Let's get some food. chick fil A's still open. Amen. And we go to, uh, I go to get, reach for my keys. Now in our house, I put my keys in the same exact spot every single time. And I reach around, it's not there. I go to my nightstand in my bedroom, it's not there. I go to my backpack, I go to the jeans that I wore that day. I'm starting to look everywhere. And finally, I'm checking all the drawers, and then I go to the one drawer that's not assigned to anything. It is the classic junk drawer. It's where, I man, it's like the junk drawer is necessary. Like, you gotta have it. You gotta have one. And this is for everything that doesn't have enough of it for its own drawer. And there are my keys sitting in the drunk drawer. Back to August 8, 2010. I'm feeling around. I, I look in my car. There's my keys in the ignition. Doors unlocked, car running. But don't worry. Nobody wanted to steal my luxurious 2005 white Dodge Stratus. Nobody wanted it. They just left it in the parking lot. And I, I mean, that's more trouble than it's worth. We don't need that. And there were my keys. Man, we all deal with stress. We all deal with pressure in our lives. So how do you feel about stress? If I were to sum up stress into two options, And how you feel about it, which statement would be more accurate? A, stress is harmful, and it should be avoided, reduced, and managed. Or B, stress is helpful, and should be accepted, utilized, and embraced. 85% of Americans and probably 85% of the people in this room said, A, stress is harmful. Like, we don't want anything to do with it. We avoid stress. But what is stress? See, we tend to put and lump everything bad together, and we call it stress, the stress ball. We don't want anything to do with this. But that's too broad. Let's define it this way. Stress is what arises when something you care about is at stake. You see, stress and meaning are really closely linked. They actually go hand in hand. Have you noticed you don't stress about the things you don't care about? And you can't create a meaningful life without having some stress. That's why you stress about your kids. That's why you stress about your job. That's probably why you probably stress a little bit about your relationship with your manager. Maybe you stress a little bit about your physical health. These are all important things to you. See, but it's better to chase meaning than avoid discomfort. So how did Jesus handle his high-stress moment? Luke chapter 22, verse 39. This is the night before Jesus is crucified for everyone in here. And he's having his last supper, and it says, Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, And there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed even more fervently. This is after the angel shows up. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And at last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked him. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Jesus was suffering from a medical condition at the time called hematidrosis. And it only occurs in people that are in a highly emotional state. When the stress is very high, when the pressure feels like it's coming from all angles, that everything on the outside is affecting you on the inside. And Jesus is so stressed out that he starts to sweat blood. But as you read your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whenever you see Jesus in a stressful moment, in a pressure-packed moment, you never see him run away. You always see him go head on. You know, when Jesus had a hard day, he didn't go to the local watering hole and need a stiff drink to make him relax. You know, he never prayed to God, said, God, Father, this is too much. Use somebody else. You never see that. Every time Jesus experiences pressure, he meets it head on, whether he wants to or not. See, Hebrews 12:2 says that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, what was the joy? You were the joy. Having a relationship with you was the joy. It was The meaning that Jesus would go through one of the most difficult things possible so that there wouldn't be this space between him and you, that you guys would be close, that you would be able to draw near to God and he would draw near to you. Nothing would separate you anymore. So what level of stress do most people feel? In the years 2005 to 2006, the Gallup Report took a worldwide survey, they asked 125,000 people one question, ages 15 and up, over 121 countries, they, the question was, did you feel a great deal of stress today? The worldwide average was 33 percent. America came in very high, 43 percent of Americans said they experienced a great deal of stress Today, So they asked another question, and they didn't ask them directly, but they started to do some more research. And they said, let's see how stress correlates to the people's satisfaction, to their life expectancy, to the national GDP, to their yearly income. Let's see how it correlates. And to their surprise, the higher a nation's stress, the higher the nation's well-being. Higher stress meant you lived a longer time. You had more money. You were a little bit more satisfied with life. See, it turns out that a meaningful life is also a stressful life. See, when I look back at my life, I see all the butterfly moments. What do I mean by that? I mean those moments when I had a pit in my stomach when I was feeling the butterflies. It could have been a playoff game in school sports. Maybe it was about to be coming on stage and a theater play in high school. Maybe it was on that day, August 8th, when I was proposing to my girlfriend, Angel. Could be coming on stage now. Could be a number of different things. I remember the butterfly moment. See, at the end of life, you're not gonna be sitting down recalling all the moments of relaxation you had. You're not going to remember how great Stranger Things was or Breaking Bad was, although you probably will, like whatever it is. But most likely you'll be talking about the butterfly moments, the difficult moments, the times when pressure felt like it was coming in at all sides, and despite all odds, you overcame. Man, that's what I'm going to be, that's what I am going to be talking about. See, the biggest problem with trying to avoid stress is how it changes the way we view ourselves and the way we change, the way we view our lives. See, anything that causes stress can start to look like a problem. If you experience stress at work, then maybe there's something wrong with your job. If you experience stress in your marriage, you think there's something wrong with the relationship. If you experience stress as a parent, you think there's something wrong with you or your kid, whatever it is. If you're, trying to, uh, if you're trying to make a change that's stressful, you think there might be something wrong with your goal. See, a lot of times when we experience stress, we view ourselves as inadequate. But in reality, it just means you're human. It just means you can feel. It just means that you really care about what? Is going on. The solution is choosing to see the connection between stress and meaning. It can free you from the nagging sense that something is wrong with your life or that you are inadequate to the challenges you face. So how do you become good at pressure? I haven't always been good at pressure. I've had to learn how, but number one, I'm sure there's a lot of things, operate from who God says you are. Not who people have said you are. You know, we care way too often what other people think about us. I was scrolling on Instagram one time. Uh, the gentleman I follow, he's approaching the age of 70, and he posted on his timeline he said, When you're in your 20s and your 30s, you're worried about what people think of you. But in our 40s and 50s, we finally start to feel free. And then in our 60s and 70s, we realized that nobody was actually thinking of us. (laughs) You know, it can be far too easy for me to gauge how well this message went based on your outward response to what you are hearing. But the reality is, people did not call me to this. God called me to this. The things that you do, people did not call you to that. God called you to that. Paul said this in Galatians 1, verse 10. He said, obviously... I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So what does God say about you? And remember, the names that God calls you are the only ones that you should be answering to. So what I'm gonna do is the media team is gonna put this on the screen. I'm going to read it, and like we do at the declaration at the end of service, I want you to read it from your seat as well. This is what the Bible says about each and every one of you. You ready? I am God's child and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All things work together for my good because I love God and am called according to his purpose. God will finish the work that he started in me. I don't have a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. I have been redeemed, forgiven, given purpose, have hope, am alive with Christ, and am seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. I am chosen, blameless, set free, healed in my spirit, soul, and body. I am over, overcoming, protected, qualified, loved, and victorious. That's who I am. Man, you gotta operate from what God, who God says you are and not just what other people had say you are. When you read that aloud to yourself, and there's been years in my life where I had a sheet of confessions and I said it every day before I left my bedroom because I wasn't going to leave in my identity. I was going to leave in God's identity for me. Number two, run towards stress. Not away from it. Gentleman I follow, he's pastored in England for decades. His name's Paul Scanlon. He said, if something excites you, run towards it. This next part changed my life. If something excites you and scares you, then run twice as fast. Don't run the other way. Don't slow down. Don't pause and think about it. No, just take off twice as fast. Run towards stress, not away from it. What did Paul say about this? Philippians 3.12. He said, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Man, I love that phrase, I press on. It it really means I follow after. It's a hunting term. And it describes hunter who will do anything to catch the game, to catch the animal that they're after. They will wake up super early. They will camp for days. They will spray deer urine on themselves. See, that's where you lost me. I went the whole other direction. They will do anything to get the animal. Paul said in the same way, I press on. I follow after. I have the same intent that when pressure comes, I don't back away, but I run towards it. See, over and over in scripture, God calls people into stressful situations. He called Abraham to a new country, Moses back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, David to attack Goliath, and David didn't run from Goliath, he ran to Goliath, Jonah to a city that he despised, Jesus to the cross, and Paul to the Gentiles. God specializes in stressful situations not comfortable environments. This is what he specializes in. This is what he's all about. He's calling you forward. And you've got to learn how to welcome stress. See, there's a few responses that you have when you experience uh, pressure and stress scientifically. I'll address three of them, but right now I want to address the first two. There's a challenge response, and there's a threat response response. The challenge response is the ideal response. It gives you energy. It helps you focus. It encourages you to act. But the stress response is what we all hate, or the threat response is what we all hate. It's it's when you have a fight-or-flight response, and psychologists call this a threat response. It's an entirely different kind of response. But really, just to break it all down, the main thing or something that they, these, both these responses have to do with is your heart. See, when you have a threat response, your blood vessels constrict because your body is anticipating harm. And if somebody cuts you, if a wild animal comes at you, it helps your chances of not bleeding out before help arises. So the blood vessels shrink But whenever you have a challenge response, the opposite happens. Your blood vessels expand. Your blood beats harder. You have a greater blood flow throughout your body. I mean, that's important. That's a healthy way to go about things. The challenge response. And you stay relaxed and you have a stronger beat, but each time your heart contracts, it pumps out more blood. See, When I experienced stress, when I experienced pressure, man, this changed the game. And I felt like this was a threat response. And I felt like I was shrinking or getting smaller. I wanted to run from the situation. I would just kind of say out loud to myself, Brandon, Holy Spirit, still with me. Still here. And this is a challenge. This isn't a threat. Man, when I hear those words, when I say those words, my body has a totally different reaction to stress. See, this new mindset tips the balance from I can't handle this to I've got this, from I wish I didn't have to do this to I can do this. Engage your stress. Run towards it, not away from it. Number three, don't retreat in isolation, but align with your people. When God created Adam, the first thing that was not good was not sin. The first thing that was not good was the fact that Adam was alone. Yet Adam was with God. And God is saying, this isn't right. You know, one of my favorite worship songs growing up was, God, all I need is you. I love that song. But the first instance in Scripture is, no, you need a little bit more. You need companionship. You need to align with other people, with with your people. What does Solomon say, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, then 12, said two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Man, it can be all too easy for me. I'm an introvert by nature. Add that to this uh, equation that I was an only child, and sometimes I can feel self-sufficient, <laughs> like maybe I don't need some other help or some, somebody else's entertainment or, or anything like that, but I'm still a human, and I still have all the same emotions that you have, and I gotta remind myself that I'm not supposed to go through this alone. And I'll go to my wife about things or Leaders in my life about things, they'll give me advice or counsel me and pray for me, whatever it is that they feel like I need in that moment. You know, right here in your seat today at Oak Church, whether you know people here or not, there are people here who uh, who love you, who support you, who are there for you. Brandon, I don't know anybody. You know, the best way to get to know somebody besides going up to them and introducing yourself, is to serve. Man, if I ask any of our volunteers in the room, if you want to have friends here at Oaks Church, man, the best two ways are to start serving. We got an Align class next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. You go to oakschurch.com slash Align. What is Align? It's our membership class. It's the one time where you get to know us, we get to know you. It's the on-ramp to serving. Maybe it's joining a small group. You go to oakschurch.com slash groups. You start to get to know the people here. Start to experience life and do life together. See, scientifically, this is the third response. This is the tend and befriend response. When you choose to help others over yourself. Basically, anytime you experience this kind of stress, or maybe you're having a stressful moment, if you can just get your eyes off of yourself and onto somebody else and start helping them, man, maybe you're at a deficit in your life, relationally or in other areas, and you're like, man, I wish, I wish, I just had more close friends, or I wish I could do this with people. Have you thought about doing that for somebody else? See, if you want support, what if you became the source? If you become the source of what you are looking for, chances are you will get the support that you are craving. There's a guy named Kevin, and he was, he put on social media this story a few weeks ago, and he's traveling in Midway, Florida. He's going to one of his favorite places. He went to Waffle House, and he walks in. He's by himself, and he sees this. Another man sitting by himself, and he's got these $1 bills, these $5 bills, and he's got these notes he's writing. So uh, Kevin walks up to, the, to this man, and he's like, hey, introduce himself. He's like, so what are you doing? What's, what's the money for? What's the notes for? And the gentleman looked at him. He's like, well, i like to come to some of my favorite spots, and I write this note, and I put it on a dollar bill or a $5 bill, and I give it out to people. I've Since 2014, I've given away over 13000 dollars. So Kevin asked about the note. He said, "What does the note say?" And it says, "Love everybody." He said, "See Kevin, when my mom died, she wrote me one last note. Or she said one last phrase to me. It was three words. Kevin, she didn't say I love you. She said, "Love everybody." See, when you choose to love the people in your life, despite how you feel, you'll start to get the support that you crave. Don't retreat in isolation, but align with your people. See, when you do these three things consistently, you will grow your capacity. Man, I love that word, capacity. You know, you can grow as a person, You know, there's things that I struggled with three years ago, a year ago, six months ago, 10 years ago that I don't struggle with anymore. It's like God can put more stuff on your plate when you actually say yes to what he's putting in front of you. See, when you say yes to God, you will grow in your capacity, you will grow in your ability to handle things. There's a Navy SEAL maxim that when you're on a run, when you're on a workout, when you're mentally fatigued, whatever it is, that when you feel like you're done, they tell you you're only 40% done. You got an entirely other levels to your capacity that you haven't even tapped into yet. See, we like to say here at Oaks Church, no lids. What does that mean? It means to dream big. It means to pray big. It means to not put a self-imposed limit on what you feel like you can do. If you continually embrace pressure, you will increase your capacity for it. Like you, there's things in my life that I used to not be so good at, but the more I say yes to it, the more I work on it, and I start to get a little bit better at it, You know, when you think about yourself one, three, five years ago, and especially five years ago, all right, think about it. I hope you cringe just a little. Because cringing means growth. It means you're not the same anymore, that you're getting better, that you're going onward, that you're moving forward. Four years ago, this month, I was at my previous church, and I was asked, and I was a youth pastor, and I was asked to speak on a Sunday morning, and I'd hosted a ton. I would speak on Wednesday nights, but I never spoke on a Sunday. And I was excited, yet I was, like, so nervous, because I was used to handling about 150, 200 kids kind of broken up into two or three services, but at the time, we had about 13 to 1,500 people coming to three services combined and, man, I was nervous. I must have practiced my opener in the living room ten times. I practiced my message five times. I'm just trying to make sure that I got, got a good grip on it. The previous night before, I, anyway, that's, I had another stressful moment, right? But I remember that Sunday came, and, and I get up on stage, and, and I preach a message, and, man, I was not doing I felt like I was just bombing. You ever feel like that? Just bombing. It really uh, stinks when you bomb in front of other people, by the way, like a lot of people. And and I'm telling you, I'm preaching here, and I just wanna run off the stage, I'm I'm done. Man, this is horrible, I am just, ugh, (laughs) not doing well. Get off the stage, I remember going to the green room, I'm thinking to myself, man, I gotta do this two more times? Like, this stinks. Get up to second service, prime myself a little better, did really well for where I was at, same third service, that day ended up being a highlight for me of that year, but it was a pressure-packed moment, it was a stressful moment, see pressure can bust pipes, Or it can create diamonds. Or it can forge you in the fire, turn you into something very valuable, very unique, the hardest rock on earth, very valuable rock here on planet earth. Man, sometimes we're just so scared of stress and anxiety and pressure and what it's gonna do for for us. And we think we're gonna bust under the pressure like a pipe that even though it's tough, maybe it can't handle the pressure all around it. But if you willingly, that's a big key, if you willingly step into the pressure, throw your shoulders back, and throw yourself forward to the challenge, then you will be refined into something that is remarkable. A diamond. It can bust pipes or it can create diamonds. See, our prayer shouldn't be, Lord, take this from me. I don't want to do this anymore. No, our prayer should be, Father, increase my capacity. Increase my capacity. See, you can be great regardless of how you walked in here with the mindset that you had. You can be great at handling pressure. If you use these mind shift keys, if you use these three tools that we've talked about, if you keep saying yes to God, See, God wouldn't call you to it if he wasn't going to be with you in it. He wouldn't call you forward if he wasn't going to be there too. The Holy Spirit is still with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you, God. We thank you that you're calling us into the deep, that you're stretching us, that you're challenging us, that you're providing opportunities for us to grow relationally in all different areas of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally. God, today, just all across the room, we we just choose to make a mindset shift, to not run from stress anymore, to not run from pressure, to not run from what you called us to do, but just, you know what, to step forward and run towards it, knowing that when we say yes to you, you're there in the middle of it and we are growing in the process. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in the room, you say, Brandon, I'm new to church or I've been far from God, whatever it might be, the Apostle Paul said, today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow, it's not a week from now or a year from now, it's today. Today's your day to say yes to God. Maybe you've made this decision before. I want you to be confident in the decision you made, but maybe it's for the first time you're rededicating your life for God. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're watching online, you just clicked on this service or a friend shared it to you. And just pray these words with me all across the room. Say, Father, I receive your love. Jesus, I believe you died for me, that you lived a perfect life to save me. I choose to follow you. I am saved. In Jesus' name. You made that decision today. A miracle just happened. The Bible says that you are new on the inside. You could be look exactly the same on the outside, but you're different on the inside. That you are right with God. We have a next steps desk right out here in the lobby. If you made that decision today, you can go there. Someone would love to greet you, connect with you, pray for you. If you made that decision online, you can just uh, type that in. I am saved or saved, and a team member will reach out to you, and we'll go from there. But thank you guys for your time. Uh, We love you guys. Pastor Joel will be back next week. Uh, So it'll be really great. I'm going to turn it back over to Travis. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.